Please be seated. Our scripture this morning comes from the Old Testament, from Ezekiel chapter 47, verses 1 through 12. Then he brought me back to the entrance of the temple. Their water was flowing from below the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. And the water was flowing down from below the south end of the threshold of the temple, south of the altar. Then he brought me out of the way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer gate that faces toward the east, and the water was coming out of the south side. Going on eastward with the cord in his hand, the, measure, the man measured 1,000 cubits, and then led me through the water, and it was ankle deep. Again, he measured 1,000 and led me through the water, and it was knee deep. Again, he measured 1,000 and led me through the water, and it was up to my waist. Again, he measured 1,000, and it was a river that I could not cross, for the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in a river that could not be crossed. He said to me, Mortal, have you seen this? Then he led me back along the bank of the river. As I came back, I saw the bank of the river, a great many trees on one side and on the other. He said to me, This water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into Arabah, and when it enters the sea, the sea of stagnant waters, the waters will become fresh. Wherever the river goes, every living thing that swims will live, and there will be many fish. Once these waters reach there, it will become fresh, and everything will live where that river goes. People will start and stand fishing beside the sea from Ingael to Ingahim. It will be a place for the spreading of nets. Its fish will be of great many kinds, like the fish of the great sea. But its swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They are to be left for salt. On the banks on both sides of the river, there will be grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail, but they will bear fresh fruit every month because the water of them flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I find that um, we, we like to use certain language when we talk about how we live a Christian life, right? We talk about being filled up, and we talk about 
pouring out a lot. So we, we come to church right, to be filled, and then we go out into the world to pour ourselves out for the world. Right? So it kind of looks something like this. right? If this is us and this is God, we come to church, right? and the Lord fills us up, And then we go out and we pour ourselves out into the world. Of course, then we're empty. Uh, and, you know, once, once you're empty, you, you can't keep pouring out into other people, right? You have to stop and you have to go back and, and be refilled. Um, and, and, and see, that's a bit of a problem because, uh, you know, one, one thing that was taught to me when I was very young was, you only get out of worship what you put into it, right? So if you're coming to church empty, you've got a problem. And the more often you empty yourself, the greater your need to be filled becomes until eventually you're less like that cup and you're more like this. And you're coming to church and you're hoping that God will fill you up each Sunday and the Lord pours into you and pours into you and pours into you and pours into you and pours into you. And lo and behold, you're still not full. You still feel as if you need God to pour into you some more. You still feel as if you need your wonderfully handsome pastor to pour into you some more. right? You still feel as if the music could have been better. And maybe if the music had been better, then you would have been poured into some more. right? And that's when we start to treat our church like it's a consumer good. As if, if we go to worship and we don't get anything out of it, it's the church's fault, right? The music wasn't good enough, the sermon wasn't good enough, uh, the teaching wasn't good enough, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Never stopping to realize that, that if the church isn't filling us up, it's more likely than not that the church is actually fine and we are the problem. What if we've actually got our entire approach to faith wrong? What if our approach to living a Christian life is just completely incorrect. Would you pray with me? Almighty God, pour out your Holy Spirit on me and on all of us gathered here. Lord, take my words and make them yours. Take all of our thoughts and make them yours. And take our hearts and set them on fire for you. Father, we love you. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. When I was little, my family would take a vacation every summer, and it would be literally the last week of summer vacation before school started. We'd go out to the Frio River. Uh, many of you may be familiar with that from the HEB Foundation camps that happen in Lakey, which are great. We would go to a little town called Concan, which is out in the middle of nowhere. Um, and it's more rental cabins than town, probably, but we'd go, we'd rent a cabin along the river, and we'd stay there for a few days, and, you know, it's, it's a spring-fed river, right? So it's, it's like 65 degrees in the water, and it's crystal clear all year long. It's great. And so when you're in the middle of a Texas summer, diving into that river is just about the best thing you can do, right? There's nothing more refreshing than that. So we would, we would go, and we would swim in the water, of course, and, and we would, you know, tube down the river. And as we got older, we would kayak down the river, uh, and it's great, right? There's, there's a handful of rapids, but none of them are really big or dangerous. They're just, like maybe to a little kid when I was little, they seemed much bigger than they are now. Um, but most of it, most of that stretch you're on, 
it's just wide and deep, and the water moves fairly slowly. So as you're you know, floating down that river in a tube, you're, you're just in this you're crystal clear, cool water, and you're, you're drifting under the branches of these big, mature cypress trees on one side, and then over on the other, there's these big, tall limestone bluffs hanging over you. And so actually, in places, the whole river is shaded no matter where the sun is. And you can, you know, slowly drift down and, and you look up and you can see the birds flying overhead. You look down below and the water is so clear you can see the fish in the bottom of the river swimming along underneath you. And all you can hear is the sound of the wind coming through the trees and maybe the sounds of, of the birds or the insects that are flying around. And little blue damselflies will come and land on your leg as you're just drifting along. And I didn't fully appreciate until I was older just, just the peace of that. The quiet. That, that all you were hearing and all you were seeing was the beauty of creation around you. As we got older, my sister and I, we, we stopped doing that every year just because, you know, I was, you know, got into high school and college and she was in college and then working. And it just became difficult to kind of find a, a time where we could consistently do that. We didn't start going back, uh, actually, until I think after we were married. It was the first time I went back to that since being a kid. And I discovered to my horror that other people had discovered this place. Uh, <laughs> You know, when, when we were little, I swear, there were times we were the only people you could see on the water. Uh, most people back then, when they, when they went to do that kind of thing, they went to San Marcos where there were big crowds, right? Um, this was out in the middle of nowhere, and all of a sudden, people had figured out where it was, and, and, and the river was just full of idiots with loudspeakers, right? Um, if you're one of those people who goes tubing and plays your music really loud, I love you, but I'm going to need to pray for you. Um, <laughs> I cannot for the life of me figure out why you would do that. Why on earth would you go to this beautiful, secluded place that is just nothing but peace and relaxation and, and blast your music at full volume? I can't figure it out. Why, why would you ever feel the need to do that, right? It ruins the whole thing. Not, not for me, necessarily, even if I'm a little annoyed by it, but, but for the people playing the music, right? It, it ruins the experience, and they don't even know it. They have no idea what they're missing out on. But we, we actually do that all throughout our lives, don't we? We fill our lives with noise. I'm, I'm just as guilty of this as anyone, right? If I take my dog for a walk by myself in the evening, I've got my headphones on. Um, and I get annoyed when people are trying to talk to me because I've got my headphones on, I'm listening to stuff, like, leave me alone, right? If I go to the gym, I've got my headphones on. If I'm in my car or driving somewhere and it's a long drive, the thing I look forward to about the long drive is the chance to finish an audiobook or listen to a podcast, not the, the solitude and the silence. How many of us, when we are at our desks working during the day, are playing music while we work? How many of us, uh, how many of us play music while we sit down to read a book? How many of you when, you, when you crack open your Bible to read, and I hope you read it, um, how many of you are playing worship music in the background while you read your Bible? Noise isn't just sound, though. What about when was the last time that your family sat down to a, a family meal without one of these at the table, 
without a TV on somewhere. When was the last time you actually intentionally spent time in silence? A few years ago, my wife and I uh, started a a pretty short-lived tradition of taking vacations out in far west Texas. It was short-lived because we had a baby and didn't want to drive eight hours with her in the car. But uh, the first time we went, you know, we were still living in Dallas. We had this little apartment. It was about a block off Highway 75, which is a busy highway in a busy city known for its traffic. So there's always that highway noise in the background. And, of course, you know, it's an apartment, right? So we were on the second floor. There was one above us and one below us, and there were apartments on either side, um, all in a major city, right? So there's always sound coming from somewhere. And so then we took an eight-hour car ride out into far west Texas in the middle of the desert. And, and of course, for the whole car ride, you've got just the sounds of the road, for one thing, but also whenever we were playing over the speakers, the podcasts and the music and all that going on. And the first night there, we decided to drive up to the McDonald Observatory. And as we're driving up into the Davis Mountains, we stopped at this scenic overlook, and it was right on the edge of the mountains. If you've not seen it, by the way, the mountains just sort of start and stop, right? This mountain and then flat desert. So it's this incredible sight and we're about you know halfway up on the side of this mountain and we pull over and there's a scenic overlook and we get out and and what struck me was not the the incredible vision of the desert just abruptly starting and spreading out before us what struck me was the sound of pure silence there were no other cars on the road anywhere we could see there were no people talking No animals of any kind making any sort of noise. Not even the sound of a river flowing beneath us, right? The only sound was the wind coming across the desert, and even that was pretty still. I did not realize until that moment just how loud our lives had become. Because all that background noise of the cars passing us on the highway and the people above us and the people below us and the people on either side and the people in the parking lot right outside our door, all of it had become background noise and I just had learned to automatically tune it out. And I can tell you in that moment, standing there on the side of that mountain, in that moment of incredible silence, it was like a weight had been lifted off my chest. This magnificent peace at, at finally getting some quiet. We fill our lives with noise of all kinds. And I have to wonder why, and I I think maybe part of it is we're a little afraid of what we'll hear in the silence. Maybe we're a bit afraid of what God will say to us. Maybe some of us are even just afraid of our own thoughts. How How often do you just turn on the TV or turn on some music to drown out the noise of your own thoughts? during difficult times. But see, what if, what if as we drown out those things, we're also drowning out something more important? This passage from Ezekiel, I think it's one of the most beautiful in all of Scripture, right? This picture of the river of life flowing out from the temple, growing wider and deeper as it goes, and hitting the dead sea, right? The sea that is so full of salt, nothing can live. It's so full of salt, the water is so heavy that almost anything will float in it. And the river hits it and turns it fresh. 
and it's full of life. Except for some little parts off to the side so you can still get salt because we need salt, right? The Lord knows what we need. So even as he freshens the water, he leaves part of it behind. And the trees lining the banks with their fruit for food and their leaves for healing, right? You and I, of course, are used to fruit being always available, but, but they weren't, right? For them, fruit would only happen when, once a year when the tree grew fruit. The thought of the fruit being available all the time, mind-blowing for them. See, it's significant that, that the river flows from the temple. For ancient Hebrews, God lives in the temple, right? That's where God is. God's not up there in the heavens. God's not around us. He's not everywhere. God is in the temple and only in the temple. You want to see God? That's where you go. Right? You want to pray to God? Probably ought to go to the temple. If you want to offer a sacrifice, can't do that anywhere else but the temple, right? Because that's where God lives. That's his house. It's part of why Jesus gets so mad in the Gospels when there's people doing things in the temple they shouldn't do, right? So the river of life is flowing out from the temple. But see, what, what you and I know that Jesus has taught us is that God now dwells within each one of us. We have the Holy Spirit within us, and therefore, we are now the temple. So the, the river of life is supposed to flow out from us. In fact, there's even an old song. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. Opens prison doors, sets the captive free. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. But do you? Thank you, yeah. <laughs> but the question really is, do you have a river of life flowing out of you? See, the example set by Scripture is quite a bit different from how you and I like to live. If you uh, pay attention to the way Jesus lives his life in the Gospels, or even the way these Old Testament prophets live, what you'll see is not people who empty themselves out completely, and then go and try to be filled back up again. You instead see people who at any and every opportunity seek the presence of God. And so their lives look more like this. They spend so much time in the presence of God and in the power of God, letting God fill them up, that they pour out into the world from the overflow of what God is doing to them. And so God can fill them up and they can pour and pour and pour and pour and pour and pour without ever being emptied. Because all they are is letting the overflow run off into the world. They've got a river of life flowing out of them. See, most of us when we pray... What we do is we, we sit down or we kneel or whatever it is we're going to do to assume the position of prayer, right? And then we give God our list of demands, yeah? Lord, I want this. Lord, give me this. Lord, do this. Lord, help me with this. Fix this. Heal this. Set this up for me. Thanks, God. Bye. Amen, right? And that's our prayer time. Now, I'm not saying it's a bad thing to ask God for what you want. In fact, quite the opposite. Always ask God for what you want and be specific. If you want a brown hat, don't just ask God for a hat. Right? 
you want a new Ford F-150, you know, specify the color and the trim. Talk to me later if you want details, right? But see, when that is all you do as you pray, it's kind of like you're damming up the river and it isn't going to flow. What if instead, during your prayer time, you actually spent time in silence? You see, so often, we think that when God speaks to people, it's in this big booming voice coming down from the clouds and there's thunder and lightning, right? And when you read through the Bible, you hear all these people, the prophets and other figures, almost every single character in the Bible who is given a name talks about things that the Lord has said to them, yeah? And we think that they're hearing the audible voice of God, but, but really, if you pay close attention, almost none of them do. Some of them, like Ezekiel, are visited in dreams, but... There's other prophets who just have spent so much time reading the word that when they go and they notice things around their daily lives, they think, oh, that's an interesting metaphor. God's going to do this to us, right? Others, others just spend so much time in God's presence that they are clued in to the way he's speaking to them. Because see, the thing is, most of the time when God speaks to us, it's not in this big booming voice from out in the heavens. It's something a lot more subtle. It, it might just be kind of a gut feeling, right? It, it might just be a thought that pops into your head unbidden. It might just be this inescapable feeling that you need to go and talk to someone or do something. Maybe God's just pulling on your heart a little bit, but it's always much more subtle. Next week, I'm, I'll be preaching on the, the text from the Old Testament where Elijah goes up on the mountain and hears the sound of God speaking to him in the sound of sheer silence. See, that is so often how the Lord speaks to us. In those moments of silence, something subtle comes. It's not a big, booming voice from the heavens. And, and truth be told, if we aren't practicing that enough, if we don't spend enough time listening to God, we won't even notice it. See, that's the difficulty for us. Most of us don't ever spend time sitting and listening. In fact, I'd be willing to bet most of us don't actually set aside a, a specific time of day just to pray, maybe not regularly at least. And look, I know that this church is ambitious. We've set goals for ourselves, 500 people in worship by 2024. It's a big number. And see, when we set goals for ourselves like that, our first instinct is to start doing stuff right away, right? What can we do to attract the most possible people, Right? And we want to come up with like lists of ideas of things we can do. But what if, before we start, we have to stop? What if the first thing God is calling us to do is to stop and listen? 
What if our first task is just to stop, close our mouths, stop telling God what we want, and try and figure out what it is he's telling us? Because here's the secret. God is always speaking to each and every one of us. Non-stop. We've just gotten really good at tuning him out. We are so good at filling our lives with all kinds of other background noise and distractions and things that draw our attention away that we miss the subtle voice of God speaking into our lives. And so we become worn out and burnt out and our faith becomes shallow and we miss the river of life. We are very much like those drunken idiots on the river with their speaker blaring, right? They don't even know what they're missing. See, before we fill our pews to bursting, we've got to be so full of the Spirit that we are overflowing into the world around us. That's the first step. The first thing we will do as a church, as we work towards all of our vision, 751, the 500 people in worship, the first thing is to pray. Because the thing you do when you pray, right, prayer is not just a conversation with God. Prayer is not just a, a cosmic vending machine. When you pray, you are piercing the veil between heaven and earth. When you pray, you are quite literally standing with one foot in earth and one foot in heaven. You are in the presence of the Almighty God. And my friends, this is not metaphorical language. We mean this literally. Christians have taught for thousands of years that when we gather to pray, we are standing in the presence of God. When we pray, we are no longer purely here on earth. We are actually in two places at once. And the more you do it, the better you get at it. But it is hard, so very hard to listen when you're not used to it. Because what will happen is you'll sit down to pray and the first thing that will come to your mind are all the things you want to ask God for. So maybe go ahead and take care of those. But what do you do next? Because see, what happens when you sit down and you're just silent and you just try to listen to God is your mind is going to start running a mile a minute and all the thoughts will start creeping in about the things you have to do when you're done praying, right? I've got to go to the grocery store and I've got to start, you know, walk the dog and I've got to wake up the baby, right? All the other stuff, it's just going to keep piling on and piling on and then instead of listening to God, you're going to be planning out the rest of your day when you should be sitting there trying to focus on what God is telling you, right? I speak with the voice of experience, So the trick, the trick is, as those thoughts pop into your mind, you let them go. Don't dwell on them. You just let them go, and they'll leave. And then the next one will come, and you'll have to let that one go too, and then the next one, and then the next one, right, and so on and so forth. But the trick is to keep letting those thoughts go. And slowly, slowly, 
your mind will start to quiet down. And if this sounds to you too much like some kind of weird Buddhist meditation, uh, it is because they stole it from us, right? Christians have been doing this for thousands of years, right? We, we, in, like, it, it, this is a well-established Christian practice, but we don't do it anymore. So your challenge is to actually do it. And the more you do it, the better you get at it. And the more you do it and the better you get at it, the, the more easy it becomes for you to discern what is God and what is you. Because so often all that God does is put a little thought in your mind. And I can tell you, even though I have let this practice lapse, right, I have done it before. And I've had that experience sitting there and, and someone's name pops into my head, right, and, and I'll write it down so I don't forget later. And, and then some kind of like health condition might pop into my head associated with that name, and I'll write that down. And then later on, I'll, I'll pray for that person in that health condition, and they've never told me about it before. And then I'll go to them and say, hey, how are you doing? And well, you know, actually, I've just been told I have a heart problem. Oh, really? Funny. I, you know, I think I prayed for that the other day. Not that you would get it, but, but that, right? The Lord told me you had a heart problem. And then they, get, right, then they freak out because the Lord told you I had a heart problem. Right? But, it, but see, it works. It works. And I know because I've done it and I've seen it and I've participated in it. God is speaking to us all the time. And if you just let him talk, you will hear what he has to say. But it takes time and it takes practice, right? It's like a muscle that hasn't been used in too long. You have to flex it and you have to build it up. But the more you do it, the better you get at it. And the better you get at it, the more you will find yourself aligned with the will of God. The reason, by the way, it's so important to be honest in your prayers is because as God bends you back towards his will, you'll find yourself asking for fewer Ford F-150s in your prayers. Um, not me, but you know some of you might. You'll find, you'll find that when you get down to pray, the things you are praying for will change. You'll find as well that even when you are not sitting in a moment of silence, it becomes easier to pick out the voice of God speaking to you in your daily life. Imagine that. Imagine the almighty creator of the universe talking to you all day long, telling you what to do, telling you where to go. Maybe not like down to that kind of nitty-gritty, but you begin to pick it out. I've already challenged our administrative council members to, to spend about 30 minutes a day in prayer. Uh, and I did that because I need to do it and I don't do it. Right? I'm just as bad as the rest of us. Most of us don't make time for prayer. Most of us, if we pray at all, it's like while we're running off to do errands, right? Or it's in the middle of traffic, right? Dear Lord, let me get there on time. Or dear Lord, smite the person who cut me off. Um, And if, if we remember to set aside time dedicated to prayer, we might do it once or twice a week, but then what about the rest of it? It's so easy to let the demands on our time pull us away from this. Now, I'm saying this as a pastor, right? I am very literally a professional Christian, okay? That's my job, and I don't always make time to pray. I, let, I have a thousand different demands on my time. Some of them are professional, some are personal, some are stupid, some are not, right? But, but I let them pull me away from that. So this is as much for me as it is for you. Now, 30 minutes is a long time to be in prayer. I'm sure you're wondering how you could possibly talk to God for that long. But there again, I've caught you. You're not talking to God for that long. 
You need to listen. Here's what I'm going to challenge you to do, the entire congregation of our church. This week, set aside 10 minutes every day, just 10 minutes. You don't have to do the full 30. Um, you get extra Jesus points if you do, but, if, but for most of you, 10 minutes is fine, right? Set aside just 10 minutes a day to spend in prayer. And when you do, don't spend the full 10 minutes talking. Maybe, maybe open up with something, right? Hi, Lord, it's me. Long time no see. Right? If you have things on your chest, let them off, but then quiet down. Right? You can set a timer on your phone and just set it out of reach so that you know when the 10 minutes are up, but quiet down. Now, I'll tell you the first couple of times you do this, you may not get anything out of it. Because none of us really do this often enough to, to be good at picking out what things in our minds and what things in our hearts are from God and what are just our own ramblings, right? But the more you do it, the better you get at it. And I would bet that by the end of the week, if you do it every day, you will start to hear God speaking to you during that time. So that's your challenge. This is our first step towards what God has in store for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.